but you have to be exactly who you are. You know, people want to trust you. You can't con somebody into trusting you. It won't last very long. Welcome to a very special episode of the Game Changing Attorney Podcast, recorded live at the Evolve Virtual Summit. This episode features a discussion between crisis management expert and the inspiration behind the popular TV show Scandal, Judy Smith, trial attorney and adjunct professor Sarah Williams, the godfather of legal marketing, Harlan Schillinger, and America's preeminent trucking attorney, Joe Freed. You can't con a jury into believing you if you don't have the facts straight and you don't have the credibility lined up, because that's what it's all about. I'm Michael Mogul, founder and CEO of Crisp Video, the nation's number one law firm growth company. I've built my business through practice, not theory. Crisp started with just $500 to my name and has grown to over eight figures in revenue over the last few years, earning a spot on the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing private companies in America. Our approach has been to take everything we've learned about generating massive growth within our own organization and help the country's most ambitious and committed law firm owners do the same for theirs. In each episode of this podcast, I sit down with innovative market leaders from the legal industry and beyond to learn from those who thrive in the face of adversity, challenge the status quo, and define what it means to be a true game changer. This all-star lineup of diverse thought leaders joined me live at the Evolve Summit to discuss the importance of embracing authenticity, what it takes to build a credible brand, and how a mindset of abundance and collaboration fuels success. What I've learned is life is not a zero-sum game. Just because if I do something to help somebody else that doesn't belittle me, that doesn't make it less likely that I'm gonna get a case. In fact, in a weird way, it makes it more likely. We're in this thing together. And the more we help each other, the more at the end of the day, we're gonna do fine. That's coming up on the Game Changing Attorney Podcast. I'm humbled by who we've got here. Very, very excited. I mean, I want to start off Judy Smith. Scandal, Olivia Pope. People have to know. I know we were talking a little bit about branding. We'll talk some more about branding. But how did this come to be? How did you become this professional fixer? And then ultimately, how did this lead to this ABC show where now you've got basically the stories of your life have turned into probably one of the most watched shows ever on ABC? That's a lot. (laughs) Thank you so much uh, for having me. Look, the reason why it turned into... uh, hit show, honestly, is because all of you supported it and watched it. At a time, there was over 10 million people uh, watching it, so I so appreciate it. I think what interested people about the show is that the stories are endless. It's just like in the business that I do with crisis. You can never tell what you're going to wake up to in the morning or go to bed at night. And so the stories were interesting. Um, The storylines could carry over. And so, you know, it was a great success and felt lucky for it. I would like to say that I had planned it since I was about 10. That was part of a long-term strategy, but that would not be true. It was just one of those things where people always say this, and this is true. You have to be prepared when sort of opportunity comes and, and you decide to take it, basically. Now, at this point, you've probably seen it all as it relates to PR, I mean, that's why you're known as as this professional fixer. And, and yeah. these days, with, with as fast as news cycles are, with people taking sound bites and tidbits, I mean, I, I probably said something this morning that someone could chop up somewhere and ruin me. What are your recommendations for how attorneys can not just guard against that, but just make a plan to stay ahead of any potential bad publicity? Yeah, and see, now you're going to have everybody searching the internet now to see if they can find what you said. Look, I think with all of us, when we speak, we have to be careful about what we say and how we say it. 
we're in a society where everybody has a whole host of opinions and things can be, as you just pointed out, sliced and diced to be interpreted in so many different ways. So one of the things that I always do, even when I go on an interview, but before I speak, is to make sure that I'm very clear about what my messages are and what I want to say and have a lot of clarity and precision in what you say. Thank you. Speaking of personal brands, Sarah, I want to ask you about this because you launched your personal brand a few months ago. If you could speak to that process of kind of deciding what what direction you would go and then also the, the values and principles that you bring to that. I think it was important for me. You know, I talk a lot about authenticity in that process. And I think when people think about that, they think, you know, about speaking in a certain voice. But for me, it's being true to who you are and not necessarily following the trends. And so when I decided to go in that direction, it was, you know, do we do what everyone else is doing or do I do what's true to me and speak to, you know, encouraging lawyers to be themselves and not necessarily worry about the trends, but to to be confident and to walk through the world as themselves. So um, that was an important fundamental ideal for me that helped you know, my career. And so I just want to spread that message. So that's, you know, kind of how we decided how we would narrow the message. And Sarah, if you could speak to even how you dialed it in, because you really focused in on a particular audience that you wanted to speak to, that you wanted to address, which I think is very, very important, but the response has been overwhelming. People love it. It has been. So one of the things that has constantly frustrated me, I teach trial advocacy, is that I'll have these amazing women students who do amazing when they're in law school and then all of a sudden in the practice, they disappear and we don't see them in the courtrooms. And so I really wanted to narrow in and focus on encouraging women trial lawyers to get into the courtroom, to not be discouraged by, you know, some of the things that happen at law firms, not be discouraged by the day-to-day that can sometimes weigh us down with all the decision fatigue that we have and being moms and being wives and often being the caretakers at our law firms as well. And so that has been my, you know, ultra-focused message. Although I get a lot of DMs from guys who say, I know this isn't for me, but it really resonated. So that's been great to see as well. All right. So Sarah's married, by the way, but still got guys slipping into the DMs. Positive (laughs) comments. Harlan. Harlan, for those of you who don't know, Harlan is my good luck charm. There's not been an event we've done without the presence of Harlan. So I'm extremely grateful for you, sir. I know you've worked with some of the biggest players in the legal industry and you're an expert in branding. What have you seen some of the best firms do right? And then what are some of the mistakes that you've seen them make with respect to branding? I think one of the things that people do right, and you have to really buy into what Sarah said on authenticity, is to be yourself. You know, my backbone in advertising is to uh, talk to the public the way you would a jury. I think that one of the things that I see that really kind of makes my eyebrows wiggle is uh, people trying to yell louder than the next person. I think they try to position themselves as somebody they're really not. And authenticity, as again, what's been said, I think is, is really the best way to approach getting the best business. Where do they go wrong? You know, the majority of people that, you know, lawyers that get into the advertising game, uh, you're in every bit of advertising, they follow the next guy and they take a sheep approach. You know, if he can do it, I can do it. If she can do it, I'll say the same thing. And everything then sounds the same. Then there's no differentiation. Being yourself, being exactly who you are, being comfortable in your own skin, being authentic, 
being credible is the most important thing. And if you deviate from that, and there's plenty of people that do, the majority do, that's uh, the way the game is played. I know you've said many times that credibility is, is everything. I'd love for you to unpack that. Well, credibility is everything. I've said from the very beginning of my, uh, my legal marketing career in 1977, talk to the public the way you talk to a jury. You can't fool a jury. You have to be authentic. You have to be factual. You have to base yourself on personality, but groundedness and likability. You have to be real. And that's really the path that I, I have suggested to everyone I've ever, ever worked with. You know, keep in mind, I, I have a very small field of people to talk to because most people don't want to do that. They don't intentionally say, I think I'll be unauthentic. They just yell louder than the next guy because the next person is yelling loud. Being yourself, finding your most unique values, I think is your best option. It's certainly one of the most profitable but you also have an ethical consideration to be exactly who you are and represent your client in the most ethical manner. I've never met a lawyer that read the oath of office that they took when they became a lawyer after they signed it. I urge everyone to read that and just simply do what that says. Joe, you're known by many as the preeminent trucking attorney in America and what I'd love for you to do, if, if possible, just be as honest with people as possible, because this seems like a, a success story 20 years in the making, if you could share what it really takes, like what it took to become that, to eventually be seen as that. Because nowadays, I mean, most, most attorneys I speak with, when they think trucking, they think Joe Freed. Well, in my case, it was, a very, it was a very deliberate choice. I learned as a very young lawyer that for me, what made the most sense was to be able to really become a subject matter expert in whatever I was gonna do in addition to being the best lawyer I could be. So I chose trucking and it's a, it's a story, I won't go through the whole thing, but it was a very concerted effort. And the challenge that I had is to, is frankly to stay committed to that. And once making the decision to believe in it and to know that if I stayed the course and I didn't worry about the finances, I know that sounds weird, but the finances will take care of themselves. If what you pick is something that you truly are passionate about, you really do care about. And it can't just be, I care about it because it's gonna make me money. That's not gonna work, it's gonna backfire on you. What you really need to do is spend the time, if you're looking to become a niche practice, and pick something that really means something to you, that you would like to spend your life fighting for. And everything else will take care of itself. Don't worry about it, don't worry about it. Just be the best you can be, become the subject matter expert in that write about it, teach about it. My philosophy is, those who know me is, I don't keep anything to myself. If I learn something that, even if I think it's, I've learned something that's gonna create an edge for me, I'm on the phone and I'm on Zoom and I'm on whatever teaching it and giving it away because we need to build armies to do what we do. That's the way we make a difference. Sarah talked about it, you know, empowering women in this field, empowering minorities to do this. If we do that, we will succeed. And so I know, I know it sounds cliche to say it, but you got to pick it. It's got to be passion play for you. And then you just got to work it every freaking day. You got to work it. And don't worry about the money. It'll take care of itself. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of working, I, I remember you mentioned on the podcast at one point that you'd done 500 presentations 
over the last 10 years. So almost like one a week, every week. And 500 for, in the last year, probably. Yeah. Zoom, <laughs> it feels like. Yeah. So, I mean, just to see that level of consistency every single week to, to do that, I mean, it obviously requires a great degree of passion. Um, but you also do something interesting in the sense that whether you, I guess now you can see this as marketing or, or maybe not before, but you actually educate other lawyers, potential competitors, if you will, on the work that you do to actually help them attract those types of cases. Well, what, I, what I've learned is life is not a zero-sum game. Just because if I do something to help somebody else that doesn't belittle me, that doesn't make it less likely that I'm going to get a case. In fact, in a weird way, it makes it more likely. You know, there's a reason why sort of Lowe's opens up next to Home Depot. This is a group, we're doing life together, folks. All of us, those of you who I know, and you know me, you know that about me. Those of you who I don't know, I hope if you take nothing else from me, you believe that. We're in this thing together. And the more we help each other, the more at the end of the day, we're going to do fine. We're going to do great. So it is. I, I give it away and I want to give it away and I enjoy giving it away. And I love getting emails from people saying this made a difference in a, in a client's life. This made a difference in my life. That's awesome. That's that's just that's what it's all about. And. I hope this is okay to, sh- to share. I remember you and you and I spoke at one point last year. This is at the height of COVID. And you'd mentioned that because of a case you had, you guys already hit your um, like revenue targets for the year. And your partner had suggested that you just, you take time off and just go on vacation. Like you, you were done for the year and you, you resisted that instead. And you said, no, I'm just getting started and continue to work through. If you, if you could talk about that. Well, he was joking. Uh, <laughs> he, he didn't really want me to take the time off. But, you know, I mean, when, when COVID hit, I knew, I didn't know how long, just like none of us knew what was happening, but I knew we had to keep this connectedness going. And so, um, I mean, here's the bottom line on that point. I think it's really where you're, where you're heading. When I said about passion before, I mean, to me, I can't really think of something that I'd rather do on a day in and day out basis then what I'm so blessed I get to do, I, I put together this practice of things that I'm, I love being involved in. I love studying. Every day I'm a student of how the human mind works, how we make decisions. How can I be a better lawyer? How can I be a better human on this path? And, you know, if I ever figure out something I'd rather be doing, then that's going to be the time for me to hang it up. But until then, it's about continuing this, continuing to try to be the best me I can be, I love the comments about uh, everybody has talked about authenticity and credibility. And those words are music to me. And I, I'll be the first one to admit that's not how I was initially weaved together. I was not weaved together. You know, I was not living that way for the first parts of my life. I was so scared of how I would be judged by the world that I didn't have the capacity for being transparent and being vulnerable. And it was through a lot of work. A lot of you know me through Trial Lawyers College that helped me tremendously. Here's the key. Vulnerability is not weakness. Vulnerability, the willingness to be vulnerable, the willingness to step into vulnerability is the ultimate strength. And crazy magical things happen when you do that. It's my takeaway is passion and and work on your own personal journey of being as honest with yourself as you can be and let everything else take care of itself. And Judy, on the note of passion, so you, you have an interesting line of work. The very things that could be the most stressful days and the lowest moments for people is every day for you. You were, you were dealing with these types of scenarios that for many are, is just a crisis. 
and yet you're drawn to it. I remember when you and I spoke, there, there was something that you, you had already had to deal with that morning. There was something yes. that was after the podcast that was going to take place. It's just, it seems like landmine after landmine on a day-to-day basis. What keeps you in, engaged in that? I mean, obviously, I'm sure it's exciting, but like what draws you to it? And then yeah. what have you seen as, as some of the, the lessons you've learned through that process? That's a great question. I would just dovetail on, on something that I think is important that I want to go back to. It's being authentic. And that helps build credibility. But the other thing that's a big benefit of that, I think, is trust, right? And that gives trust to your clients, uh, trust to people that you uh, have to engage with, right? And I think that uh, I think that is critical. For for me, the reason why I do what I do, honestly, is I love it. And what I love about it is I get to make uh, an impact in not only individual lives, but I get to make an impact with companies, right? If I'm going in and I'm dealing with a a crisis and the crisis is a cultural crisis, right? And there's a complaint that culture is not diverse or inclusive or there are many other things that need to be done. So I get to go in and talk to the CEO and sit down with, you know, legal and human resources to have everybody and say, how can we fix this, right? And so, you know, when you leave, there's a five-year program that's dedicated to training women so that women can get higher up in the senior ranks. And that's the kind of thing that I take away from, that I'm able to do. You can't sort of yell that from the rafters and say, I made that corporation or I made somebody do that. But that, for me, is sort of, that fulfills me. And Judy, I'm going to go in because you're here I'm going to ask, maybe someone's thinking this question, or maybe this will be the soundbite that somebody rips later and gets uh, me in trouble. All right. Um, I want to talk about, like, if you could speak to some of this, I guess you call it cancel culture, or yeah. whatever's going on in society today, where it seems like there's people canceling one another. The ones that are they're doing the canceling, now they're getting canceled. Yes. Like, is this going to, you know, is there going to be some sort of course correction here? What, what's happening right now? Yeah, as my mom would say, it's a mess, right? <laughs> yeah, I would hope for a course correction. I mean, look... Everybody has an opinion about things, but, you know, as I'll often say, that the kind of culture that it's going on now, it's not helpful for change, right? And it's not helpful for learning. And it's certainly not helpful for any real conversation. So I would hope it would course correct because I think that people are you starting to see slowly people are withdrawing. From it, right, and not uh, and not participating, and I think with with you know all of you as you are thinking about how to to build your own brand in your practice, there are some of the things that I think that you really want to think about is, you know, when you are deciding, for example, how to build your brand, or if you're going to do TV or all of those kinds of things, like what's the strategy? What's the plan? Anytime, for example, I go on TV and I do an interview, I am thinking ahead of time about what's the story I'm going to tell? What's the messaging? What's the point? I mean, to this day, when I do an interview, I will identify three or four points And I stand up, no lie, stand up in the mirror (laughs) and I talk about those points so I know them. So I would encourage all of you to be very deliberate about how you go about uh, building your own brand and have a strategy and a plan when you're stepping out doing media and uh, marketing as, as well. It will serve you well if you actually if you think about it. 
And a lot of what's said sometimes about building brand, it's not always what you say yes to, it's what you say no to. Yes. And Sarah, I, I remember we talked about this you know, months ago, but you made this social post and I, I love that you did it, but you essentially <laughs> said that you would not like speak at any event on any panel unless they had like some diversity, some women, some, some minority speakers, something. And at the time, I'm just wondering, what was that like for you? Were you a little bit nervous or you know, did you hold strong because- like the responses to that were were amazing. People were supporting you. Sarah just put it out. Put yeah. it out she there. just put yeah. it out there. All um, right. You know what? I wasn't nervous because I've gotten to the place where I have learned like what is for me is for me. And when you have a platform to to convey a message, I think you have a responsibility to use that platform. And so I was just, you know, I got to the point where I said, you know what, Alex is going to continue to send me cases or I'm going to get them on my own. The people who respect me, respect me. But this is a problem in the legal community. And if anybody's going to say something about it, it's going to be me. And so I just, I just put it out there. And I will say the, the reception has been twofold. I've had people one, I ended up on like four planning committees, but I also believe if you call something out, you got to be willing to kind of do the work too. And I'm always willing to do the work. And so the response w was great. There were some folks who said, you know, you really need to be careful about what you say and, and kind of ruffling feathers. And I, I just think it's time out for that. We are not going to effect change if we are worried about whether or not I get invited to, to speak somewhere because I called out, you know, conferences that weren't diverse enough. Because at the end of the day, what we know is this. When you are on a stage in front of 5,000 people or 500 people as an expert in that field, that increases your chance of getting work, right? And so as women and as people of color, we are out here doing great work, but we don't often have the visibility. And so what is important is ensuring that our clients are best served by, you know, the best people. And that, you know, is a diverse group of folks. And I think it's important that we are all sharing ideas with each other in a broad spectrum. But yeah, I definitely did not expect the response that I got, but you know. I, I want to I also, there's another thing you posted. I know this guy's backstage, but Alex, who's probably one of the most well-known brands in the nation, was he like the second most recognizable person in, in the state of Alabama behind Nick Saban. <laughs> and his brand has been just all over the state of Alabama. And when you went this route, he was one of your biggest supporters. Absolutely. And, and he is, I did a series last month about your support system. And, you know, you, you end up, I was a defense lawyer for a lot of years. There are a lot of firms that talk about diversity and inclusion and will have the numbers. But oftentimes it's not the numbers that are important. It's the influence. And Alex has been amazing in saying, hey, I'm not showing up to this event unless you include Sarah. Like, what's her speaking role? She's coming to this meeting with me like, oh, you didn't bring enough seats. Well, somebody's going to have to stand up because she's sitting at this table right beside me. And I think it is it's oftentimes more important to be more influential and to actually um, give people experience and the opportunities to sit in rooms than it is to just have, you know, numbers for the reason, you know, of having numbers. People were nervous. I mean, there are probably a lot of you all at firms where you're nervous about branding yourself. I think branding yourself is imperative, but there are firm leaders who have egos that don't always, that doesn't always sit well with them. And I've just been lucky and blessed to be at a firm with a leader 
who feels like, you know, I can expand this pot. What is for him is for him. Um, and so he was happy to, to mentor me and push me into branding myself. So we need more of those leaders in the legal industry. Reed Harlan. So you have been, and I'm not trying to age you when I say this, but you've obviously been in the game for a very long time. You've seen many firms just built from the ground up that became these national law firms. And you've also seen the ones that used to be great also, you know, kind of approaching a slow demise from a branding standpoint. What used to work? What works now? What does that evolution really look like? Well, I think, you know, we fall back to being authentic, you know, being who you are. Uh, Before I get into that, thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Judy. I'll sit next to any panel with you guys. Uh, And I think that when we talk about diversity, Uh, We talk about, we're teachers. If you're going to deliver information for people to absorb, then get the best people that are there. And it's not a debate. It's not a conversation. It's a fact. Uh, Just do it. It's important. If we are going to continue our task on delivering message and teaching people, it's important to lead by example. And every one of us should be leading by example because every one of you are so-called leaders. Again, the question You know, brand is what people think of you when you're out of the room. Jeff Bezos said that. I'm surprised that he said that because it's been around for a very, very, very long time. Brand is what people really think of you. And again, we we use the word authenticity and we're using it a lot on this stage, Uh, but you have to be exactly who you are. You know, people want to trust you. You can't con somebody into trusting you. It won't last very long. You can't con a jury into believing you if you don't have the facts straight and you don't have the credibility aspect, the credibility lined up, because that's what it's all about. We've got the greatest jury system in the world and the public is the jury. And I would would attempt to tell you, follow that path. Understand that if you wanna be liked, do something to be liked, that's real. Many people, have in the industry that we're in, the advertising world, have created images. They've created, you know, a persona. They scream louder than everyone else. In advertising, one of the very first things that I learned, Michael, was you get what you ask for. I think that's true in the jury, in the courtroom. I think that's very, very true as a parent. And I think that you have to be very careful at what you ask for and how you ask for it, because what you ask for is what you're going to get. And I think that separates the messaging. And in being such a, I guess, a society now where many don't have any patience and a lot of law firms, they see these big brands and they want that result almost immediately or sometimes immediately to them, it can mean a month. Right now, you have seen from the ground up what it takes to really build you know, a brand in a, in a major market. We're in a transactional business. You know, it's amazing when lawyers start to advertise, they immediately want a result. I don't care. I've never met a lawyer that said, well, I'll be patient for as long as it takes. I mean, they say that, but you can't (laughs) live that because you're writing those checks. And it is a long play game. Now, at the same time, you do have to bring in business, I would say immediately. Now, being in business means the phone is going to ring and you're going to sign up cases. There is such a responsibility factor on your side to make all that work. You know, I've harped away at intake and conversion. I've harped at messaging. One of the most very important things that you have to take into consideration if you want something to work very quickly, answer the telephone. Answer it in the proper way. The proper way is to be compassionate. Do something different. 
That's one way to get it going quicker. It's amazing how many times lawyers will advertise. And in fact, almost every lawyer I've ever met in my life, now that's a bold statement, almost every lawyer I've ever met has the biggest bucket, the biggest hole in their bucket is intake and conversion. Why? Because they think they just need to answer the telephone. Well, that's not true. You can spend all the money in the world, and if you don't have a handle on intake and conversion from metrics to compassion to being real with the client that's calling you, it'll take you a lot longer to get down the path. But we're in a transactional society. We want action quickly, but be realistic. Be smart about it. It is a business. There is no retail business that I know of that broke even in the first year, two, or three. In the legal arena, it takes 18 months, two years, sometimes three years to resolve a case. So you better be prepared. You know, success is very relative. Lawyers say, well, I'm successful. I know it's working if I'm signing up cases. Well, that's true, but you have to have the cash flow to carry that you know, to the end. And the most important thing is you have to have the cash flow and the ability to practice good law. I mean, the real money that's spent is not in the advertising. It's in satisfying the situation, the client, investing in the client in the case. And so all of that has to do with being successful. And I think that's how you get down the road. Well, and when it comes to branding, you're not going to know exactly what where a case came from. Like, I'm sure Joe doesn't know exactly which conference it was that he spoke at every single time someone refers him a case, right? So when I get phone calls, I don't know which video it was that resonated, right? I think that is something that frustrates lawyers, too. They're like, I've been doing videos and I've been doing branding for two months and my intake hasn't increased. And it's like, when you're talking about building a brand, that is definitely separate from other types of marketing that you may see those that direct impact. And so you have to definitely be willing to play the long game. I have seen in a year an increase in the quality of my cases, right? But can I directly pinpoint that it was this video that resonated with that person who referred the case? No, but at the end of the day, does it matter? No. So I think that often frustrates lawyers is it's like, well, how do you get, how do you measure the results? I think on the brand building, though, I think that everybody has to be very intentional, right, about what you want your brand to be and what you want it to stand for. And I think that would help guide you in determining how to build it. And also, to your point, I think that you have to use when you first start out, you have to use a lot of different vehicles. And then I think as time goes on, you begin to sort of filter out what works and what doesn't work. But I do think that you have to have some sense of if I, let me see, I'm looking at Kelly and Caitlin and Nicole. If somebody said, I want to go to Caitlin, how would they describe Caitlin? Right. Why would we want to go to her? And so I think you want to be clear about that as you are building your brand and you're thinking about that. What do you want to be known for? And to do that, yeah. that intentionality is important, but also to understand why, the why behind what you're saying you want to be viewed as. Yes. yes. And then you have to live consistently with that. And, it, and, right. and you're, what Sarah said is right, too. You're not going to necessarily be able to pin it to a particular something that you did. It's not about one thing. It's, it becomes your life. Your brand is your, I hope 
that anybody who goes through the process, that their brand is their life. I mean, it's not just a separate thing. It's everything. It's everything you do is consistent with your brand, not because that's an effort to do, but that's because you've picked a brand. You've, that intentional process that you've gone through has led you to a place. You know what your purpose is and you're living out your purpose. And it also wonderfully has to do with the way you earn your living. Right. So what a, what a blessing. And it's what I'm trying to convey to my kids is, you know, my kids, I'm not passionate about anything. Well, let's spend some time. I don't expect you to know it right away. I coach and mentor a lot of lawyers along the way. And not long ago through COVID, I've been working with, with a lawyer and he said, I'm just having a hard time figuring out my passion. I don't know. I want to niche practice, but I, and I want to be a truck lawyer, which I hear that every week from lots of people. And I go, why? And they go, because you're going to make a lot of money. Great coverage. Yeah, well, it's hard. It's not as easy as you think it is. Um, I'm not saying it's terrible. It's a pretty good way to go. But here's the point. I sat down with lunch for this with this young lawyer, and he starts telling me, I said, what have you been up to? He starts telling me about something. I'm not going to reveal any names or anything like that, but he starts telling me about some things that he's that has been going on with him that involve mental health issues and people who had mental health issues and how misunderstood that they are in the world. And, and there's literal tears in his eyes and there's a smile on his face at the same time. And I said, brother, how would you feel about being the lawyer who becomes known for being the guy who represents mentally ill people? Maybe a PI lawyer who's a mental, you know, I mean, lots of lawyers will be happy to refer that case to you because they don't know how to work with that person. That person is the outlier and they're not gonna do a good job for that person. And he lit up because you think I could do that? I said, oh, hell yeah, I think you could do that. So where are the things in your life? What are the things that make that, that have touched you in your life to the point where you could say, if it wasn't about money, if I could wake up every day and work towards something that was meaningful to me every day, what would it be? Now figure out how to make that your law practice. Yeah. Michael, brand is an extension of you. That's what brand is. Sit down and figure out exactly who you are and how you want to deliver your message and live by it every day. You know, many people follow the Ritz-Carlton brand because they are very client-centric. But write it down. Have it embedded in your philosophy of, and your culture. And that's what your brand is. Your brand is an extension of yourself. And as we close this out, we'll go one by one, maybe 20, 30 seconds each. Just what's been the biggest lesson that you've learned over the past year? And Joe, you were America's preeminent trucking attorney, and now you're also working on World's Fittest Man. Does the consistency, if you guys are on a Peloton, you should, you should follow Joe because you've been so consistent every day. But anyway, what's been the biggest lesson that you've learned over the past year? That we're in this together. And whether it's a pandemic or a whatever emic, it's a us emic. And we need to be there for each other. And we need to stop the madness and the hate. And we need to find ways to focus on the things that make us that, that I mean, we're 99.9% all the same. And yet everybody wants to yell and, and um, we, gotta, we, we gotta be better to each other. We gotta be kinder to each other. And we gotta stand up for the things that matter. Harlan. Life is short, live it. Be the teacher. Judy. Pass it on. Yeah, I said, short. Sure, Judy's good at this. Here's one thing I, I would say, though. All of you and, and what you do, you should give yourself credit for this one important thing, is that you're taking a risk, 
right? And a lot of people don't do that. So I would just say to continue to do that and don't be, don't be afraid of that. I know for me, it's where the greatest reward has come from. Because every single thing that I have been successful at, it is because the majority of people have told me no, or it can't be done and that is stupid and just so many other things. So keep well, taking sounds risks. like all four of us, five of us have that in common. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we can form a little club up here, yes. The no takes the risk. Ride fast and take chances. Yes. Here's to those who said no. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thank you for that. Yeah. Say yes to no. That was a good one, too. I want to give a huge thank you to all four members of our Game Changing Attorney podcast panel who shared their wisdom with us at the Evolve Summit. You know, what particularly resonated for me was when Judy Smith said that merely having an opinion isn't enough to cause helpful change. It requires listening, understanding intent, and true empathy to have meaningful dialogue. You've been listening to the Game Changing Attorney Podcast with me, Michael Mogul. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you could share the podcast with at least one other ambitious law firm owner who you believe would benefit. And you know what? Maybe more than one. For more information on the panel, see the show notes for this episode in your podcast app or visit GameChangingAttorney.com. And join us next time for round two with the CEO of America's largest injury law firm, John Morgan. When people tell you you can't, that just means they can't. That doesn't mean you can't. That just means they won't. It doesn't mean you won't. You have to make sure that you understand that a lot of people are trying to stop you from being great because they know they can't be great. And misery loves company. That's next time on the Game Changing Attorney Podcast. Mm-hmm.